Hey you. Yes, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. My name is David Benjamin. I'm your host and the founder of HealthyWildAndFree.com. If you're like me, you understand that health, the mind, body, spirit, heart connection, and living a green, eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle are some of the most valuable and life-enhancing lessons that we can learn and pass on to our children to live happy and abundant lives. That's why this podcast was created, to help you grow in these areas. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, go to HealthyWildAndFree.com, click the box at the top right-hand corner to get a free copy of our latest ebook, and you will be subscribed to be notified about future podcasts. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Benjamin from HealthyWildAndFree.com, your host of the Healthy Wild and Free podcast. Today we have a very special and unique guest on the show. Uh, he's a black belt, kettlebell champion, uh, just a real-life ninja, basically. His name is Amir Rosich. He's a registered holistic nutritionist, a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and a functional medicine practitioner. He's a leading expert in nutrition, optimal aging, methylation, fitness, and wellness. Amir is consulted worldwide and gives lectures, seminars, and certification workshops around the world. Here's your guide to living optimally. Amir endorses and teaches the, the martial arts philosophy of life balance and believes in the ancient teachings of Hippocrates, let food by, be thy medicine. Respect your body, it's your temple. And I'm going to get him on the call right now. Amir, are you there? Hey, David. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Uh, no complaints, man. You know, another day. That's good. Good to hear. Um, my first question for you, and I ask all my guests this question, is how did you initially get into the kind of uh, health, wellness, fitness space? Uh, the fitness, I was always in it. Like, my whole life I've been martial arts since I was a child. I played a lot of soccer. I've been every single sport. I'm kind of genetically gifted. My mother was a gymnast when she was my age. My father is a brick house. He's like almost 80 right now, and he just he's a freak of nature. So I was always in sports. I was an active kid. I was that kid that had ADD, you know, ADHD in elementary school, and I couldn't sit in class because, honest to God, I, I hated school. I, don't, I could not sit down for six hours. It's crazy. And uh, my whole life I was like that, but my whole path into nutrition and into, like, functional medicine and into optimizing yourself through whole foods diet and living a real natural life started about like four to five years ago when I went through a two-year depressive period. So I had everything going good. I had a great, you know, electrical construction company. Uh, my career was going well, but nothing was uh, balanced in my life. I had this like dark cloud following me everywhere I went, and my outlook in life was absolutely horrible. Uh, anybody who knew me in that two years of my life knew I was, I was not a good person to be around with. Everything I looked at, I had the touch of death. Like nothing turned out well. A lot of, you know, personal stuff in my life was going bad. A lot of family stuff was going bad. A lot of stuff with my friends were going bad. And honestly, in those two life, two, two years of my life, it was absolutely horrible. I never want to repeat those two years of life. Uh, but then something magical happened. One of my boxing coaches at the time said, hey, Amir, go check out this seminar. It's for kettlebell. And that's how I kind of introduced the whole, you know, lifestyle of kettlebell training and so forth. But what was really magical about that workshop and seminar was I, I picked up a book by Art Devaney called 
the evolutionary diet, I skimmed through it, bing, bang, boom, and kind of made like instinctive sense to me, eat like a caveman. So literally the next day I dropped the grains, dropped the commercial dairy, dropped all that crappy food and adopted a paleolithic type of ancestral diet. And David, I'm telling you, within literally like 30 days, my life transformed, my clarity, my brain, uh, the brain fog disappeared, the depression disappeared, my mood disappeared, like everything transformed. And I couldn't believe it. I was so like shocked on the positive changes that happened in my life in those 30 days that I decided that this, this is it. This is my path. I have to share this story with people. And then I went back to school to get multiple diplomas and degrees, and I've been doing that since. I've been just educating people, helping people globally because food is truly our medicine. And the more we can like go back to how we used to eat naturally according to seasonal foods, according to what nature provides us, that's a true way that we can actually live as a natural human being and avoid all these modern-day diseases. Yeah, I agree 100%. So you said the book was called The Evolutionary Diet. Yeah, by Art Devaney. Okay, interesting. Uh, I want to talk, uh, definitely I want to get into quite a few topics today, but I definitely want to cover uh, sweep in general, the, some of the different guidelines and things that you recommend, because I know in Western civilization specifically, uh, we, our sleep is way off. We, you know, we're, we're tired all the time. We don't get to sleep early enough. We don't get enough sleep. The quality of sleep is diminished. There's so many different things affecting our sleep uh, in today's, you know, modern technological world. Um, so what, I guess what I, what I would ask would be, uh, what would be kind of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to uh, getting enough sleep uh, and, and rest and recovery for their health and, and, and physical recovery and things like that? The number one mistake, people think they can sleep when they want to sleep. That's the number one mistake. They think, oh, timing, like how long I sleep matters. Oh, I go to sleep at 4 a.m. in the morning and I sleep till like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm okay. No, that's not true at all. That's completely false. Uh, you're not even following proper natural circadian cycles according to the environment. So that's the number one mistake. People think they can do whatever they want and slap nature in the face, well, I'm here to say this, nature's going to slap you right back. And that's why we're seeing a rise in cancer. We're seeing a rise in autism. We're seeing a rise in heart disease. We're see seeing a rise in so many different diseases and ailments globally because we're not living according to how natural laws dictates us to live. Mm -hmm. For the listeners that don't know what uh, circadian rhythm is, can you explain that a bit? Yeah, and most simplistically, a circadian rhythm is a 24-hour clock that your hormones run on that are actually controlled by the exposure to light, right? So you always have to ask yourself, well, why do I get tired at nighttime usually? Well, because you're not exposed to the lux, to certain photons from the light during the day. So the circadian cycle is controlled by environmental cues, mechanical cues, how much you move around during the day how much exposure you have to photons from the sun. This actually sets in motion that 24-hour clock that you have in your cells. Your cells communicate with your organs, which has their own peripheral clocks, and those clocks communicate now back to your suprachiasmatic nucleus located in your brain, which is your master clock. All these clocks are controlled by environmental cues, which run in a 24-hour clock. Okay, gotcha. So it's basically just kind of getting on track with that clock and not working against Mother Nature's clock, if you will. Well, yeah. For example, if you have like a $10,000 Rolex, what are you going to do? You're going to try to fix it with like a hammer, right? Or you're going to get like a fine-tuned right. piece of machinery to fix your $10,000 Rolex. Same thing in the body. You can't go to sleep. Like that hammer kind of is like when you want, when you want to go to sleep whenever you want. You can't. Your, your clocks mm -hmm. get screwed up because 
it's like relay messengers. Your cell talks to your organs, your organs talk to your brain, right? So you just can't go to sleep, but your clocks are getting screwed up. They don't know what time it is. They don't know when to secrete hormones. They don't know when to shut off hormones. They don't know when to turn on neurotransmitters. They don't know when to shut off neurotransmitters. And all hormones and all neurotransmitters work on a negative feedback loop. They kind of work like dominoes. Like the analogy is if I touch a hot stove, I now know to never, ever touch that hot stove again. That's a negative feedback loop. So that's how your hormones and neurotransmitters work. They, they work on, on based on levels of how much hormones you have and at specific locations in your body, and that sets in forth motion other hormones to either go on or off. And same thing with neurotransmitters. And in fact, I, I wrote a big blog post about this, and I did a video about it. I deal with a lot of kids as well, and because I can relate, I used to be one of them, and, you know, ADD, ADHD, and all these doctors out there are prescribing Ritalin, Prozac, and all these pharmaceutical agents, when in reality, like your dopamine is actually controlling how you concentrate and how your focus is. Dopamine is actually controlled by your, your pineal gland's uh, affinity to uh, melatonin, right? So a lot, of pe- a lot of these kids aren't getting proper sleep, and their melatonin is quite low. Therefore, their D2, D4 receptors in their brain don't exist. If you have low melatonin, your actual concentration of dopamine, which makes you focus. Dopamine gives you that laser focus, and that's why people get high. If they play with, like, video games or if they on their cell phones or Facebook, they get a ding, 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 that's a dopamine high. But right. when you don't have proper melatonin within the circulation of your body, you have very low dopamine, and therefore that's why you have these ADD tendencies. I'm not saying that's 100%, uh, you know, the only thing, but the huge, huge part of the, you know, piece of the puzzle that just look at these kids. Actually, in some states right now, United States, they're starting to rewind, the, uh, make the clocks forward because they're noticing their kids in the morning, they can't even function in school. I, I don't know what state it was. They had to put school back uh, forward one hour. I think it started around 8. They put it to 9. Really? Huh. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. Like, on average, we slept. We, we slept in the 1940s. We slept on average roughly 10 hours. It was like 10 to 12 hours we slept. Can you guess on average how many hours you sleep today? I would say maybe seven or so, six. Five and five and a half. Wow, that's almost almost yeah. cut in half. Yeah. So wow. when you, when you think when when people think they can just sleep when they want and it has nothing to do with their health, they're mistaken because sleep is more important than diet. It's it, it's it's the fact sleep controls your diet. It controls how your molecules, your proteins, your vitamins, and your minerals behave in your body. Sleep controls how your hormones react the next day. Sleep controls how you repair your body. There's a reason why we sleep. It's like a battery. If you don't plug in a battery in your outlet, it dies. The same thing with sleep. When you're sleeping, it releases, it has phosphorylation. It releases certain proteins that these proteins will now accumulate during the right period, and this accumulation sets forth the chain reaction for the next day. So people really need to understand that don't cheat sleep. And it's funny, like uh, I talk about this in one of my lectures, is there's something called sleep debt, like a bank. If you own the bank $10,000, the bank's going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, David, where's my ten grand?" right? Your, your body's the same thing, but get this. You can't really rebuild uh, your credit up in your body. Once you start accumulating sleep debt, that's actually causing you to have advanced aging like accumulation of something in your mitochondria called ROS, reactive oxygen species, which is normal, but when you're not sleeping properly, it has the overexpression of it, and it starts creating more of these free radical ROSs, and obviously everyone knows that free radicals are very dangerous in your body. So everything's connected, and I think everyone needs to truly understand that the number one thing, and, and the beauty about it, it's free, it doesn't cost you nothing, is start 
focusing on your sleep. Like as soon as you start focusing on your sleep, you'll notice your attention, your mood, your energy, weight loss, hunger cues, concentration, everything who you are will improve a hundredfold. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as sleep is concerned, um, so basically kind of like you, you talked about with, with this uh, debt, if you will, Basically, if you start missing out on that sleep, it's basically causing, is it with the, I think you said it was ROS, is that a form of kind of oxidative stress within the body then, or what? Yeah, it's that a byproduct of the mitochondria. Okay. Well, ROS is natural. You make ROS every day. It's a natural byproduct of the mitochondrial biogenesis, like what happens in your mitochondria. But the problem is people like paint health black and white. Oh, this is bad, that's evil. That's rubbish. Like health is not black right. and white at all. Whenever when everyone blames something on one single thing, that's the most idiotic thing possible. It's not it's not one thing causes one other thing. Like, no, I'm sorry. ROS is perfectly normal process. It's a regular right. process that happens in the mitochondria. The problem is when it becomes overexpressed, too much of it, and accumulates too fast that your body doesn't have the necessary tools to deal with it. So now you have all these crazy, because basically these free radicals accumulate so fast and everyone's heard of antioxidants. You don't, well, I'll just make it simple. You don't have enough antioxidants to deal with these free radicals. Right. So it's, just, it's happening at then, a faster rate that the body can't handle. Yeah, so when you have more ROS, you burn through more ATP and then you see triphosphate, which is a life force of your body. And the faster you burn to ATP, the quicker you age. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so as far as uh, sleep is concerned, you, you touched on uh, melatonin a little bit. I know the pineal gland also produces serotonin. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that serotonin, melatonin, uh, and how sleep affects both of those and what also serotonin does for uh, you know, your health, energy, and that kind of thing in your mind? Well, they're one or the other. They're 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 in the same chain. Like from serotonin, you can get you can produce melatonin. So you have to look at like first of all, twenty five percent of melatonin is only produced in the pineal gland. So pineal gland is the minority. The majority is your gut. Your gut bacteria, your biome within your GI tract creates seventy five percent. So it creates your melatonin, right? So think of your pineal gland as just the messenger or the antenna, and your GI tract is the base where all the work is being done, then it's transmitted it to the antenna to your pineal gland. That being said, a lot of people are serotonin deficient because they have unhealthy GI tracts. They may have gut permeability. They're not eating certain foods to uh, increase serotonin. And also, you have to understand that when you have lack of sleep, you, actually cr- you can actually induce uh, cell permeability in your body. So that's another form of leaky gut, which is beyond leaky gut. Like leaky gut is physiologically speaking. If you look at cellularly speaking, when you have lack of sleep, as I mentioned, causes R- uh, ROS. Lack of sleep also destroys the natural DC currency of your cells, like the ionic pores that communicate from cell to cell, which allow certain receptors and ligands to bind. So what this causes is uh, a kind of mutation or a shape shift within your cell that actually causes it to become kind of rusty, more or less, and then you have leaky cells. So I really, really tell people that it all goes down to how your body functions on a clock. And that being said, you've got to focus your diet on you know, ancestral, whole foods diet, avoid the processed crap, avoid the sugars, eat local as much as possible to become nutritionally dense. That's what matters. Each meal should be a super nutritional dense meal, none of these like empty meals that serve no purpose in your body. And the sooner and the quicker you focus on your sleep, going to bed at 10 o'clock, the sooner you'll realize that all your hormones, 
all your neurotransmitters are run by a domino series. And let me break it down to you. And I'll just go back to ADD, and I just want really people to understand this, that if you don't go to sleep on time, your melatonin doesn't accumulate enough. If you don't have enough accumulation of melatonin, that also sends a negative feedback signal to your body saying, okay, well, we don't need then more dopamine. We don't need more GABA. We don't need any of these other neurotransmitters, which actually make you alive and make you focus and make you, makes your day go by much better. You don't have any of them. So every neurotransmitter, every hormone you have runs on a domino. And just like a domino series, if you take out like the fifth domino, the chain doesn't continue. Your body's no different. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I know you talked of, uh, as far as melatonin and serotonin is concerned, um, and you mentioned uh, getting to sleep at 10 o'clock. Uh, so people think, you know, they can sleep whenever they want. It's, you know, if I'm tired, I'll sleep. I don't care if I, you know, skip a night of sleep or get to sleep really late. What is the ideal time? Well, when do you sleep? And, and what do you kind of, what, what do you recommend as kind of a guideline? And is there any differences also between living closer to the equator? Because I know, uh, you, like you said, light and photons and whatnot affect serotonin levels and, and that kind of thing. So how does that play a role as well? Well, technically, there's no ideal time. If you live, you know, in the four-season four climate zone, uh, summer is long days, you know, fall is a little bit shorter, and the winter is the shortest days, and then it picks up in the spring once again. So there's no really ideal time. People have to understand that nature is cyclic, you know, everything's cyclic, and that's what's kind of my beef in, like, the health world today. Everyone paints everything kind of static as black and white. This is it, you know, no other way. That doesn't work that way. Life is cyclic. Nature is cyclic. The universal laws are cyclic. And this being said, I know it's kind of hard. We live in modern times and society. So, you know, through my research, of you know, studying a lot of times about, like, <clears throat> sleep biology, uh, chronotherapy, light-dark cycles, I have found that actually the cutoff points, uh, the latest you can possibly go to bed all year round, this includes summer, uh, this includes winter, this includes fall and spring, is 10 p.m. Now, for those individuals who do live in uh, the hot climate zones close to the equator, the best suggestion for that is when sun sets, as simple as that. So going back to now the four season climates where we are, most, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, North America over here, I say 10 p.m., and the reason is quite simple. Uh, 10 p.m., like I said, is pretty much the latest cutoff point. Anything past that it starts disrupting your uh, melatonin secretion. It increases cortisol. And also 10 p.m., I've, I've seen through, say, just how behaviors in society play that there shouldn't be any excuse for people that they can't go to bed at 10 p.m. Because I've surveyed thousands of people, and the number one thing I get back in response is, hey, Amir, I don't have time, or I can't go to bed at 10. And I really, when you really dig in and you look at the details, that's kind of rubbish. It's, they usually put their kids by bed for like 8 p.m., and they have 2 p.m. time where they're watching TV and looking at these electronics, which are actually destroying the physiology. So 10 p.m. is the cutoff point, and... There's a lot of stuff. It's much more complicated than that. It's like what you do before sleep. When do you eat? What type of foods are you eating? Uh, what are you doing today? How's your hydration? Uh, and a big one that we can have like a 10-hour podcast about is what's your exposure to, modern, uh, to natural light during your day and what's your exposure to artificial light at nighttime. So it's a very complex uh, mechanism when it comes to optimizing your sleep and actually rebalancing your chrono clock. Right. Yeah, and I definitely wanted to get into some more of that uh, kind of after we kind of cover some of the basics. Um, 
it's so okay so getting basically kind of a good guideline if you will is getting to sleep earlier as opposed to later being you know to bed early uh, and waking up earlier it's, it's better for your for your mind your circadian rhythm and those types of things and, and kind of balance overall is that kind of a a good rule of thumb if you will at least then yeah well, the guidelines simple i like a t- one two three principle that's like plain and simple i've actually i've actually written or i've done a huge online program called the sleep solution system which like it's more than like 50 hours of like online step-by-step stuff that i show everybody from diet like you name it it's on there and it's helped lots of people around the world but to break it down i was like there's three simple things that everyone can do right away like basic stuff is number one 10 p.m that's your cutoff point you want to be in bed by 10 p.m Number two, 9 p.m., no artificial lights, no exposure to lights, no electronics, no nothing, nothing. That one hour is you time. This is where you relax. This is where you read a book, you know, with a candlelight or, or an orange amber light that doesn't emit blue light. Number three, your last meal is three hours before bed. Very important. In that meal, you should not have carbs either. I've noticed a lot of people who have insomnia or racing thoughts or sleep issues. A lot of times they have sugary snacks. It can be pasta. It can be whatever. But I want good quality high fats and good quality vegetables at that meal, like a low-carb type of meal, and that way you don't spike any insulin, you don't start damaging your cortisol circadian rhythm, and then also there are the circadian hunger cues with leptin and ghrelin stay intact. So those are three simple things. Dinner three hours before, one hour before bed, that's 9 p.m., all lights are shut off, no electronics, read a book, go to bed at 10. Very cool. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of great tips. Thank you. Uh, so as far as, uh, you know, obviously those are some great changes. Uh, in order to get you know the most adequate sleep, the most adequate sleep possible, uh, what what kind of things like for example with your clients have you seen, and their that has changed in their life, whether physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, whatever it may be. What kind of positive changes can occur when someone decides to completely change all these different things and really just focus on rest and relaxation at the right time? How about transform your life to be a better you? Everything changes, David. Everything. Your energy, your mood, your concentration, your figure, the aesthetics of your body, the outlook in life. You literally make yourself in a 2.0. It's a new version of yourself. It's an absolute new version of yourself. Every aspect of your health and your living you can possibly imagine will transform into a better when you start optimizing and respecting the natural laws of nature. And this is a fact. 100% 100% fact that a lot of people need to start realizing you cannot escape Mother Nature. And it's wonderful. I see so many of my clients worldwide, and I see so many people taking this message. And it's a simple message, and their lives are transforming. Like, as soon as you, as soon as you wake up feeling refreshed, you're ready to conquer the world. You don't have any doubts, no disbeliefs, no negativity. And how many people out there wake up and hit the snooze alarm three, four times, and I used to take public transit for a very long time, and I was in the subways and the buses, and you see it, you know, they talk about zombie apocalypse, it's a joke you see online. It's not a joke, it's here, it's now, it's happening around us. You look at people in the subways and on the streets, black eyes, they look like they're the walking dead, it just came out of like the Crypt Keeper story or something like that. It's crazy, right? Everyone has right. energy. 20 cups of caffeine every day, five-hour energy this, donut here, bagel there. Shit, I'm overweight 50 pounds and my life sucks, right? Right. It's crazy, and you have to step back, and they make things complicated. You go to a doctor, you need these pills, or this one magic thing will change your life, or that one supplement, or this one magic diet will do everything. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a whole life change. You have to change your life in order to change everything. It's a holistic approach. It's a natural approach. So focusing on sleep is like the best 
easiest, simplest thing to like literally optimize, change your mindset, change your hormones, and become a new you. And I'm telling you, I work with a lot of professional athletes from the NHL as well, and that's one of their greatest kind of like troubles they have because they do a lot of traveling and it screws up the circadian clock. But as soon as we start fixing and playing around with the travel schedule and doing certain different modalities when it comes to uh, helping their uh, – I, I call it chrono clock, helping the chrono clock, their performance goes up, their their mood goes up, and the desire to become the number one, the best version of itself goes up. Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, one question I do have for you, and this is kind of uh, interesting, I've noticed this, some people will sleep a lot. You know, they, they literally sleep more than, you know, I do or anyone else would, but yet they're still really tired. And is that, how can we, I guess, improve the quality of our sleep and and what is uh like for example REM sleep I've heard REM sleep is kind of like the quality yeah well, REM is yeah the stage five sleep we go in and out of REM every 20 minutes so in out in out and that's that um, same thing when like meditate or when monks meditate that's REM mode it's a certain wavelength of your brain that you recuperate and you actually go into that deep sleep and it's random eye motion your eyes they start flickering da, na, 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 na. Uh, however you have to understand there's this our environment controls us more than anything. It's not, it's not the supplement you're going to take that's going to make you go to an REM. Right? So if you understand like what's happening in your room, is your room pitch black? Because artificial light stimulates cortisol, and it had studies, and there's a really famous study that no, not, not too many people talk about, and it's a fascinating study, and it should be more exposed to the world. Anyways, the study, what they did is researchers had participants in a pitch black room, and the only thing exposed was a portion behind their knee. Not the front of their knee, but behind their knee. And so they shined a red laser beam, like those standard $20 laser beam pointers you can buy anywhere. They shined it on that portion of the knee, and right away they drew some blood to check for hormonal changes. And lo and behold, what they found is a huge increase in cortisol and a reduction in melatonin. That goes to show you that our skin, and T.S. Wiley talks about this, our skin actually has photoreceptors and we're sensitive to the actual photonic emissions of light, the, the EMF wavelengths of light. We're actually sensitive to it. So now people are sleeping in these rooms that have like alarm clocks, electromagnetic uh, frequencies, electromagnetic radiation. Now the light is shining in your head. And we're sleeping in kind of like a twilight zone, which is never dark. And your body's actually now under attack 24-7. You wonder why you wake up feeling tired. What's happening with your diet? Are you moving around? Because also we have something called sleep pressure proteins that if you don't physically move around enough a day, and I'm not talking about going to the gym half an hour and sitting down for the rest of the day. That's not moving around. That's No. I'm talking about actually moving around, getting up every hour to do some push-ups, to walk around, or being at a standing desk. And that's why people feel tired when they do a hike for like two, three hours. They've accumulated these sleep pressures in their hypothalamus, and these sleep pressures now release at nighttime for a deeper sleep. So there's so many things that we're not doing today that we should be doing to ensure a better sleep. Hmm. Interesting. That's surprising, too, that the laser pointer was, you know, in the back of their knee and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So basically, so basically to everyone listening, uh, this ain't Disney World anymore. Wake up and uh, – or wake up and change your environment in your room and, and – uh, make it pitch black so you can get some good sleep. Um, very interesting. So uh, I want to talk a bit about functional testing. I, and I don't know what, I don't know a lot about functional testing at all, so I'm kind of a, a newbie in this regard. But uh, what exactly is functional testing, and uh, why do you recommend that to to your clients and to people and, and uh, looking to improve their health? 
Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Dave. Well, it's simple. I have a, the, the saying, you know, don't guess, just test. Uh, functional testing takes certain biological markers. It can be from mitochondrial markers. It can be the bacterial genetics of your gut bacteria. It can be circadian rhythm cycles, such as the cortisol circadian rhythm, melatonin circadian rhythm, and hormonal circadian rhythm. And based on these functional markers, we can, or I can say, I can identify certain um, dietary issues in your life. Not not food allergies. That's not the case. Those kind of tests are they don't hold much valid in scientific world. But um, it can show me certain stuff within your biochemistry, how your Krebs cycle is working, how your mitochondria is working. And based on these markers, we can actually look from kind of like a 30,000-foot view. And that's the beauty about functional testing. It's, it's not a narrow approach. You're not just looking at one marker. And then I'll give you an example. A lot of people, I deal with a lot of women who have thyroid issues. It can be hyper, hypo, whatever the case may be. And they'll go to the traditional doctor, and the doctor will screen just for one marker, thyroid-stimulating hormone. Wait a second. That makes no sense. So if based on this marker, you're going to tell me if your thyroid status of health is A-OK. No, because your thyroid works in a negative feedback loop. It's on a mechanism, right? So you have TSH, you have thyroid, uh, sorry, you have THA, T3, T4, TPOA, uh, you know, total T3, total T4. There's so many different markers, and you have to look at everything. And you have to be like a bird flying over everything, and then you see what's connecting. Oh, that's connected to this, that's connected to that. Oh, that makes sense because, you know, so-and-so mentioned on her intake forms, she has these signs and symptoms and can't tolerate this, and this shows validity to it. So functional testing takes unique biomarkers that really allopathic medicine doesn't use, and we look at the bigger picture, and based on these biomarkers, we can really, really make a unique uh, nutritional protocol just based on your biochemistry, likewise the supplement design a unique, custom lifestyle only suited for you that's awesome that's very cool uh so basically if uh so so how does it work is it is it like a, a hair or blood test or what what it depends like people process? like a lot of people out there will do and this is kind of beefy and in like the whole like functional medicine world it's like mm-hmm. so many you know so many people are just like giving standard tests like oh dave comes in he gets this test you know test a and everyone just gets test a what do you mean everyone gets test a there's a time and place for different testing, right? So how it works is, you know, based on what, based on your intake forms, pretty much, like your signs and symptoms and your pains and your troubles are different from Jenny down the street, right? So David's right. going to have a set of different tests. Some tests may overlap, yes, but there's really no set. No, everyone gets A, B, C tests. No, what the time calls for, like what this case calls for, we're going to give you what the best test you need, right? So. A lot of my clients have mitochondrial issues, so I give them organic acid testing. A lot of them have, you know, circadian issues. So we do cortisol circadian testing, spit in tubes four times a day, and going back to your question how the tests are done, 95% of the tests are done at home. So I work with clients around the world. The tests are shipped to your house. Um, so if you live in, like, I have a lot of clients in Germany, a lot of clients in the United States, uh, a lot of clients in Australia, and uh, basically just call up my certain labs I deal with and uh, Test the drop ship to your front door. It's either hair, urine, saliva, and stool. Uh, sometimes there's prick tests, like dry blood prick testing. And honestly, I like to even work with the doctor sometimes. So there's sometimes allopathic uh, tests that we can work hand to hand, such as we can convince your doctor to do, you know, a full thyroid panel or get yourself maybe just a comprehensive CBC uh, blood chemistry. So there's so many different. Uh, ways you can do this. It just depends on what the client's willing to do. And obviously, when it comes to functional testing, it's out of your pocket. Uh, I've only had one 
benefit uh, plan that actually covered it, but like 99.99 plans out there don't cover functional testing. So it's out right. of pocket. But actually, I noticed most people who come to me, well, it's 99% out of pocket, they're more willing. And that's the thing. Like people over here in Canada, you have OHIP, and people think like OHIP's free, when in reality it's not. You paint your taxpayer, your money from your pocket. You hard-earned money paying your taxes, paying OHIP, so it's not free. And, what, and this whole ideology of, oh, I just can go when I want, get these tests, you really aren't dedicated. But when you put your own hardworking money right there on the table and you said, I'm willing, I'm ready, and I have a thing with my clients, I have like a kind of screen. I'm like, if you're not willing to do A, B, and C, and it's like on a scale of one five, leave me alone. You're wasting my time and you're wasting your own time. Go see somebody else. Because honestly, as practitioners, we're only here to guide you. We're here to mentor you, guide you, and help you in every way we can. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. You have to take the onus in yourself and change within yourself because only until then when you open up internally and take responsibility for what must be done only then can you truly start healing for sure yeah i agree it's it's gotta it's gotta come from the the person who wants to be healed not just you know you can't go to a doctor and expect to be healed or you know any practitioner or anything uh so so those tests basically those those biomarkers is that the the information that you're seeing is that basically uh mostly nutritional deficiency type of information from those tests no, beyond that, like we look at exactly how like your mitochondria works, Krebs cycle works, uh, certain like uh, organic acid testing, uh, circadian rhythms, like a really, really good one is like actually seeing how your clocks function hormonally. So it's funny, like people think hormones are static. Well, in fact, if, if David, you know, if you go right now to your doctor in the morning and take your blood and take your blood at 4 p.m., you have different testosterone levels. That's a fact. Same with cholesterol. Cholesterol changed through seasoning. Uh, thyroid hormones change through seasoning. Hormones and rhythms are cyclical. There's no such thing as this whole static, like, oh, that's right. my hormones level. It'll stay like that forever and throughout the day. No. Eh, wrong answer, right? So the beauty about functional testing is we actually look at the rhythmic values of hormones and take multiple, like, saliva samples throughout the day. And that's, like, one of my favorite tests is the ASI, Adrenal Stress Index uh, Test. Uh, BioHealth runs it. And uh, it's pretty much you spit in a tube morning, afternoon, evening, night, and that tells us your circadian rhythm when it comes to like cortisol, uh, your total DHEA, cortisol to DHEA ratio, and how the pathway of hormonal uh, maps are in your body. But it's, it's beyond nutritional. It's a, uh, it's a combination of uh, rhythmic uh, testing with uh, organic acid testing, with maybe like stool testing. It all depends on what the scenario calls for heavy metal testing maybe, what, it all depends on the intake forms, and then combining them all. Like, remember, a lot of people just like to treat the test as well. So, oh, this marker means that. Well, in what context? You know, maybe David's right. going through a divorce, or maybe he's having a stressful period in life, and that's why those markers are high. Or maybe he's taking some supplements that's causing those markers to be like that. So don't, and that's a big problem. A lot of people are just treating these tests right now. Don't treat the test. The, trust, the test is not a human being. Treat the human being. Treat, you know, I, I like to call my clients my friends. Treat your clients or according your, like your best friend. Help them in a human-to-human -human type of way. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense to understand the information and, like you said, the, the rhythms within that. Um, and obviously, if someone does have a, a, a huge deficiency, uh, you know, that's obviously something to pay attention to. Um, so you can see toxicity, like you said, heavy metal toxicity, things like that as well. Can you, by any chance, see, uh, like, through any of those... Uh, through that functional testing, uh, infections, candida, parasites, things like that as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look at like D-lactate, D-arabinose, uh, certain biomarkers from bacteria. Yeah, of course. You find it out right away. 
Gotcha. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, hydration. Obviously, you know, our bodies, the majority of our bodies are made up of water. And, uh, you know, especially in America, our water is horrible. I mean, you know, we, the government, I don't even know, I don't even know what to add to it anymore. It's ridiculous. But I mean, there's, it's really hard to come across high quality water and to actually know what that is. So what, what is your kind of definition of high quality water and, and what do you recommend as far as concerned? High quality water, it's simple. Uh, the most natural source comes from spring wells, you know, um, that are outside. The sun actually emits UVA, UVB, and photons. It actually structures the water, and that's the healthiest. If you don't have access to that, the next best thing is a reverse osmosis filter in your house with, there's two options. Reverse osmosis by itself is distilled water, and it's minerally dead. Now, a lot of people complain, well, you know, sorry, a lot of people talk about then, well, if it's minerally dead, I'm still getting minerals from, like, meats and vegetables. That may be true, but I always like to make my water more electrically charged for better absorption. So if you have an RM system, you have two options. Option A, you actually get a remineralization. So first we make it into distilled water, and from distilled water, it adds minerals back in. That's option A. Option B is a simpler option or a more affordable option is you have because there's different pricing for both filters. You have a reverse osmosis machine, and then that's it. Now you have distilled water. Now it's your responsibility to add minerals back. So you can like fill up a big container and add maybe some Celtic sea salt, or I like to add the cell food. There's a company called Cell Food. They have beautiful trace minerals, like really, really good trace minerals, and you can add as many drops as you like and to remineralize the water. So to answer your question, David, goes back to, you know, if you can source natural spring water outside, do that. If you can't, get yourself in a reverse osmosis filter. Do, do you have a RO system yourself? No, I actually get spring water. Very cool. Uh, and just for the listeners, real quick, this is a great resource. Uh, I believe it's findaspring.org. Um, it's a geographical kind of map chart where you can find local springs and, and uh, you know, for pure water. Um, so as far as diet is concerned, what, you know, there's a the, the biggest problem, and I'll just tell you right now, the biggest problem I have with diet advice, and I, I, I see things very similar to you, is that, you know, there's a lot of people preaching, like, you know, this is the healthiest diet, you know, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, whatever it may be pescatarian, fruitarian, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's pretty ridiculous yeah. if you think about it. Um, but, it's, you know, obviously there's good guidelines, and I think that's what's important, and that's what I'm, you know, the work I'm, I'm doing with this podcast and my blog is to give people guidelines, and I think it's more about quality than anything. Um, so as far as quality is concerned, uh, you seem to be a very quality-focused person, whether it comes to sleep, uh, fitness, um, you know, whatever it may be. So as far as quality is concerned, uh, what what are the biggest kind of quality diet mistakes that people make that affect their health? They don't eat locally. That's number one at all. And that's my that's my biggest beef is importing, exporting of foods uh, for so many reasons. A, nutritional density. Like you cannot compare, and I did a video about this, you can't compare an apple from Costa Rica to an apple that's literally 100 kilometers away from you. The nutritional density is completely different. It's your local apple is far superior. B, you're helping in a more sustainable way, less carbon footprint. You're helping local organic farmers. You're building a healthier community, healthier economy, and growing that way. And it's, it's, it's such a better sustainable approach. 
And you got to look at nutritional density. It's not what you're eating. It's a, it's a nutritional context of your eating. So the more local you can become, the better. It's plain and simple. Like source everything locally, and there's more nutritional value in those foods you're sourcing than any food that you're going to ever import. And I want people to just pause for a second and really think about that. What does it really, really take to import food? And I'll tell you something here in Canada people may be shocked about. They buy organic herbs, such as like cilantro and ginger and, and, and garlic and whatever herbs you want to do. But they really don't know that all these herbs, no matter what, go through irradiation process. It's Canadian law. And right. organic or non-organic, it doesn't matter. Your food's still being radiated, and the molecular properties of these foods are being changed. And it just took about two to three weeks to ship on a gigantic boat across seas from whatever country was coming from. And what's happening in those countries? Maybe the farmers are being abused and mistreated, you know, especially with quinoa right now. It's such a marketing scam. Like quinoa, quinoa. I'm not against quinoa. Quinoa has been used for thousands of years in traditional foods. But what they're doing to the farmers down there and exploiting them on a sustainable aspect, an economical aspect, it's, it's crazy. I don't support. I don't support that at all. I'm not a believer in this whole, I have to import and export a wide rea- uh, variety of foods around the world. The more local you can source your foods, outwins and outweighs anything possible. It's just the perfect win-win situation. Right, yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, it, and the, like you said, nutritional density, it's, it's the same thing in America. All our herbs and things like that are irradiated and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, beyond eating local, like what, what are some of the, you know, like you said, like there's a lot of processing and, you know, a lot of things we don't even know that goes on. Like, for example, irradiated, a lot of people don't even know that. Um, what other kind of uh, guidelines would you give that, you know, because, I mean, especially in America, we're eating a lot of, you know, fast food, junk food, and even foods that we think are healthy that, you know, have evolved, I guess, over time to be not as healthy as they could be. So, for example, having a food come from a healthy source, but then, modifying it or processing it so much to the extent that it's not even the same. It doesn't have the same nutritional uh, value and density when we actually consume it. So uh, what are some of those kind of things that, that you see that, you know, people kind of need to pay attention to? It's plain and simple. Eat a whole food diet. Like, stay away from processed stuff. Like, if it has to go through a process, um, process meaning it has to go from point A to point B, it's not really real food, to tell you the truth. Like, if I pick a carrot from my garden, that's it. It's a carrot. If right. I go to my or get, you know, if I go to my pasture raised, grass fed, you know, farmer, my cow, it gets you know humanely slaughtered there. I get to know it and I eat it right there. There's no processing. It's bing bang boom done. You know, if I grow say some apple trees in the summertime, there's no processing. I pick the apple and I eat the apple. So the more closer you can get to nature, the healthier you become. And when Stop eating cans. Stop eating boxes. Stop eating stuff that has five, six ingredients that comes in a wrapper. That's not food. It's simple as that. It's not food. What are you eating? It's poison. It's chemicals. And it's destroying your DNA, destroying the very essence of who you are. And it's funny. People, like, actually believe that's food. I was one of those people. I ate the worst type of junk you can possibly think about. But then I woke up and I realized it's it's all a big joke. So definitely stay away from anything that has multiple ingredients, that comes in a box, that comes in a can. Go get to Whole Foods diet. Start eating real food. Sean Croxton, a good friend of mine from Underground Wellness, he has a saying, Jerf, just eat real food. It, it, honest to God. For the majority of people out there who don't have serious metabolic issues and don't have 
you know, I'm talking about really like heavy duty underlying issues. Jerf is one of the greatest things you can do. Just eat real food, real whole foods sourced locally. You cook your own foods, you prepare your own foods. You're going to become healthier in no time. Very cool. Yeah, eating locally and all that. Eating locally and right there, direct from nature, have that relationship with, with your food. Um, I want to talk a bit about methylation and that I yeah. like this once again. I don't know a lot about, but it is interesting to me. What is uh, what is methylation? First of all, just a very basic kind of answer to that question. Well, okay, let's make that more simple because there's so many complex uh, complex types of ways of saying. Well, methylation is basically your body's way of transforming addition of methyl groups around your body. So basically, think of this: your body runs in circles, right? So like in mm-hmm. a cyclic chain. So for example, homocysteine goes to methionine, methionine goes back to homocysteine. They recycle each other back and forth. And in between them, you have, say, certain enzymes, such as MTHFR, BHMT, uh, MTRR, uh, CBS in the transliteration pathway. Now, and then you have, like, subgroups or, or coenzymes, such as, uh, I don't know, let's say, like, you know, B3, niacin, uh, B12. All of these substances together make the methylation. So they make the methylation chain, I'd like to call it. And basically, it's just one one type of like molecule donating another molecule. So down the chain, just a domino series. And then everything has to be in order for this methylation system to function. And if it's not in order, you get mutations. Your RNA starts mutating. You get cancer. Uh, and there's so many different things going on in your body. It's very complex. Uh, and everything. And this goes back to the whole cyclic route. It's like you can't just focus on one thing. Like a lot of people say B12. You know, they complain about B12. Well, in reality, a lot of times folate controls B12. Your transliteration pathway, which is your liver enzymes, help you also control how B12 is assimilated and uh, redistributed through the body. Also helps you control how your glutathione levels in your body. So methylation is a complex system of certain molecules sharing with other pieces of themselves towards development of new molecules, and it repeats itself a million times over and over again. And what's happening today is because of the lack of nutrition-dense foods, because of EMF, because of dehydration, because of stress, because of lack of movement, because of lack of sleep, exposure to environmental toxins, etc., our methylation is screwed up. It's poo-pooed. It doesn't work properly. And therefore, we're seeing people become sick. We're seeing... You know, increase in autism, you know, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, cancer, and it's hectic. So uh, methylation, you know, a lot of people are trying to get into it right now, and it's very complex. And I think, uh, I, I personally think without the pyramid, until you start fixing your basics of nutrition, your sleep, your water, your de-stressing, your movement, don't jump into methylation. And that's a mistake a lot of people are doing today. They're still seeing it as black and white. Oh! I'm folate deficient. I had to do that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Don't right. go that way. First, first, focus on the pyramid. Okay, you can't build a house without the foundation. How are you going to put a roof on? Where's the roof going to go? Get your sleep in order. Get your water in order. Get your de-stressing in order. Are you moving around all day? What's happening? Your environment is more important than food. Environment is more important than any of this. The reason we're having this conversation today, Dave, is because of the epigenetic expression of our environment, the Ice Age. What made us, what forced us to leave Sub-Sahara Africa, to split up from Africa, to conquer the world, to become the most dominant mammalian species on this planet was environmental cofactors and triggers that evolved us, to know, evolved us today who we are. This is epigenetics. DNA is a hardwire. Environment is a software that programs are hardwired in our body. 
So people really need to understand that methylation is extremely, I mean, extremely important. But don't jump into it, you know, head on first. First, get your base pyramid. Once you have your base pyramid on there, then you go. I have a lot of uh, emails. I get like 100 to 200 emails a day about, I'm here, can you help me do my 23andMe? And so forth. I'm like, okay. Uh, I really just don't focus on one task. It's still black and white. They just view it as black and white. I'm like, well, what have you done before that? Like, what have you done nutrition? Have you done sleep? Have you done exercise? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just focusing on this narrow thing. And it's very dangerous. I see so many people just focusing on these, like, methyl markers from 23andMe. And it's not just 23andMe. You've got to go in the back end and actually extract the raw data and get the real, like, enzyme markers to see exactly, you know, if you're homozygous, heterozygous, compound heteros. And, and they're looking at this, and they're going crazy. They're like, oh, my God, I'm this mutation. But you're not. For example, I'm an I'm a MTHFR homozygous mutation, and I have CBS. Well, it's not being expressed in my body. Zero zilch nada. But if I just looked at that test, David, I'd be like, oh, my God, my life, I'm a mutant. I'm like from the X-Men. I've got to start taking all these supplements. No, it doesn't go that way. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. Wake up. That's not it. Right. Gotcha. Uh, so speaking of, this is kind of an interesting question I'd like to ask you. Uh, you know, the food pyramid, obviously, you know, our food pyramid is just, you know, quite crazy. Uh, but so how would, what does your food pyramid look like? Like if you were to, you know, kind of have a, a guideline of a food pyramid. My food pyramid? My food pyramid yeah. is quite cyclic. Like, right now, coming up, it's a fall season. October's closing in. November's coming in. I'm focusing. I go to farmer's market as much as possible, get local produce. And uh, so I'll give you a quick gist of it. Wintertime, I'm 100% keto. I literally eat, like, 90% high-fat, high-meat, fermented foods, and winter veggies where I can find it. Like, I'm 100% keto adapted in the wintertime. Uh, springtime starts happening, uh, certain mulberries start popping up, certain other vegetations. So I start incorporating locally. Summertime, like in the midsummer, I'm more like high carb. So abundance of sweet potatoes, yams, and fruits, I eat that. So I'm a seasonal eater. The, closest, the closer you can eat to season, the more nutritionally dense it becomes. Simple as that. If I see a mulberry in the spring budding in my backyard, can you imagine how nutritionally superior that mulberry on that tree is compared to something in the grocery store? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. A lot more. So <laughs> I'm, I, this whole idea of, yeah, this whole idea of static eating, it, it perplexes my mind, right? Like, what do you mean static? You mean one, you know, this one food all year round? You have a banana all year round? Shit, in, the, in any uh, in the equator climate zone, there is no tree. The, the, the banana tree doesn't bud 200, uh, 365 days a year. It doesn't. It doesn't bud all year round. There's no vegetation on this planet that buds 24-7 nonstop, boom, 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 boom. Life is cyclic, and people need to understand right. that. Can you imagine what it's doing to your circadian biology, eating out of season, and what it's doing to the economy, globally speaking, supporting these, like, you know, I'm not, the, kind of the worst type of treatment of these farms and these countries, and then all of a sudden you're eating this, oh, wow, I deserve my banana in the middle of winter. Right. So, yeah, it's a great guideline, eat, both eating local and eating seasonal, because you're going to get the most nutritionally dense food locally and seasonally as well because you know seasonally speaking that's when it's meant to grow in nature that's that's when it's uh has the the best uh output of, of nutrients if you will um so beyond uh beyond uh you know diet health that kind of thing uh you're a kettlebell champion what what does it take to become a kettlebell champion i mean i that's <laughs> insane <laughs> congrats yeah, uh, by the way. that's awesome thanks uh, so basically, the kettlebell sport has been around for 100 years. It's actually the national sport of Russia. We have world championships, European championships, 
Southeast Asian Championships two years ago, the first ever Canadian Championships. I think the last 10 years, the IKFF, uh, so that's the International Kettlebell Federation Foundation in the United States. But basically, it's quite simple. So uh, people don't know what a kettlebell is. It looks like a cannonball and it has a handle. Is that plain and simple? Now, the sport is very demanding, and there's three traditional lifts in the kettlebell. So basically, the first lift is called the jerk. So you have two 32-kilo kettlebells on your chest. So that's 64 kilos all in total on your chest. And your job is to jerk them over your head for 10 minutes nonstop. Every single jerk has to be in perfect formation or it doesn't count. If you put down the bells, you're out and you have 10 minutes. And so you got to hit numbers in like the 80s, 90s, 100 plus. So it's like time demanding. And your goal is most reps. That's a jerk. So you're jerking 64 kilos for 10 minutes as hard as you can nonstop. And the second movement is called the long cycle. So you go down to the jerk, and then you continue. You then bring the kettlebells between your legs, like behind your legs, and then clean them back up to your chest, and then jerk them. So you do this straight for 10 minutes. If your form's off, the rest doesn't count. You put down the bells, you're disqualified. It's that simple. You do that for 10 minutes nonstop. Finally, the final move is called the snatch. You have one kettlebell, 32 kilos, 70-plus pounds. You have to snatch in each hand five minutes straight. So five minutes left hand, snatching as fast as you can. As soon as the five-minute mark is up, switch to the right hand and snatch five minutes. You only get one switch. That's why it's five minutes left, five minutes right. And then you've got to accumulate as many snatches as you humanly can in ten minutes. That's the sport. That's insane is what it is. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's crazy. Uh... Like people think, I want anyone to go try it out. You tell me how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> Uh, is there any type, any, any other type of workouts that you do? Fitness workouts, whatever, um, maybe. Like, I used to, actually, I'm going back to it because I just moved to Kelowna, British Columbia here about two weeks or so. So I don't have any access to kettlebells. I don't have a kettlebell gym here. So I've got to wait until I ship all my bells out, like more than like 10,000 uh, yeah, 10, pounds. So that's going to take a while. But uh, I, I'm a huge proponent of calisthenics. I, I love bodyweight training. Any, for, any form of bodyweight training, I love the outdoors specifically. I'm in the Rocky Mountains, so I try to spend at least two, three hours outside each day. And I go to like a kid's playground, and I just do calisthenics. I absolutely love it. And another sport I'm really fond about, I used to be in as well, is powerlifting. And hopefully I'll get back to that. But I just love the aspect of lifting heavy, lifting the squats, lifting the deadlifts for that maximum lift. So I, I like a combination of things, and I just play around. I'm not, I'm not really in the mindset of one thing is better than the other. I like mixing everything together and having fun. At the moment, uh, I'm just doing body weights, and maybe when some snow starts hitting here, I'll go in the gym, and I'll try to, I don't know, maybe next year I'll become the Canadian champion in deadlifting. Who knows, right? So right. There, just whatever fits in your life, uh, lifestyle the best, do it. You know, that's it. It's just about balance. Like, don't overdo anything too much. Like, try to find that key balance. Have fun. Like, have fun working out. Like, enjoy it. Don't be like, ah, oh, man, I got to go work out. Well, maybe that's not for you, right? Like, for example, a lot of people like yoga. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of yoga. I like it. But honestly, it's not for me. I don't vibe with it at all. So what I do instead is I, I go back to the roots. I was in martial arts for 17 years. I do joint mobility. I'm outdoors. I, I, I kind of do a dance. I like, I like dancing a lot. So I'll, I'll actually free flow on the grass and move around. That's my form of yoga. I call it joint mobility. So find out what you vibe with, and that's the best way for a long, sustainable approach. Very cool. Yeah, I've actually uh, started doing bar workouts this year. And uh, it's been uh, it's been quite interesting just going to the park and little kids, 
you start doing, you know, pull-ups and chin-ups or dips, whatever, and these little kids come up to you and just stare at you and go, wow, and start asking you questions. I was doing reps yeah. at the time. <laughs> I was doing chin-ups, and this little girl was like, how old are you? And I do a rap answer question, and she's, I do another rep, she asks another question, and finally I just burst out laughing, because, like, every time I did a rep, she, she asked me another question, and it was just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff in a gym when you go to a parking workout and do, you know, a lot of bodyweight exercises. Honestly, I won't lie. I, I find most gyms uh, depressing. Uh, they're so, like, robotic. You see these yeah. machines everywhere. You see, like, these people. I don't know. just, like, I find it depressing. I won't lie. Like, I can't stand traditional gyms at all. I, oh, I absolutely have. I despise them. I go in there. It's like someone just zapped me. Like, all my energy has gone. So, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I was ever, ever in a traditional gym. I don't know. I can't even fancy when I was in one. It's been a long time. Yeah, so some new gyms need to be created. Some some gyms 2.0 or something with calisthenics, uh, you know, all this new kind of uh, robust body movement, body weight, you know, kind well, of... Well, there uh, is. Ability. Like, when I'm from Toronto, there's fantastic gyms. You have, you know, it's part of a couple of gyms. You have, a, I'll, I'll just name them. Iron Core is a fantastic gym that has, like, functional movement, uh, a functional type of workouts that looks at the whole body that combines everything together. You have uh, a strength box in, in the Scarborough area. Like, these gyms are fantastic. Even the strength box gym has, like, a monkey bar studio, like, like made out of wood in the gym. Very cool. Like, it's awesome. Like, literally, like, you have monkey bars made out of wood, and you're climbing the structure. It's, it's beautiful. And I'm not, too, I'm not too sure if you're familiar with a movement called MoveNat. Uh, I think one of the early founders was... Uh, Erwin Lagore, I forget his name or something like that. But like, it's really interesting aspect of like using nature as your playground. Which, well, I really don't need anyone to teach me how to use a tree. But <laughs> right, you know, I, it's the whole idea of like going outdoors and like feeling nature and using nature as your playground. It's awesome. Right, like like an animal would, like a jaguar, you know, whatever it may be, um, or a monkey yeah. or whatever. Um, very cool. So. Yeah. Uh, final question, uh, you know, with what I'm doing, uh, you know, within the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast, it's all about uh, helping people grow and evolve in the, in the arenas of mind, body, and spirit. Um, so would there be kind of any last words you'd give to, to inspire people to kind of grow and evolve within their uh, mind, body, spirit lives? Take the dive. I, I see way too many people just reading, absorbing, and trying to, like, make a perfect plan in their life. Take the dive and just do it. You know, like Nike said, just do it. Just do it, you know. Stop wasting time and live your life right now because time is really the only, you know, true true value we have in this world. And do it. You know, if you want to start, you know, becoming a champion of something, do it. If you want to optimize your health, just do it. Stop procrastinating. Stop thinking. Stop planning and just go. Like, that's the best thing. Like, don't waste time. Oh, God, like, I wasted literally 20 years of my life and, I just wish that I can revert back time and, and get back those 20 years, but I can't. So I'm trying to make up for it right now. Just go out there and live the life that you're destined to live. Awesome. Great advice. Uh, Mir, I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can I listeners find more about you? What's your website and you know, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you're on? Yeah, so everyone can just find me quite simple. All my channels are my name. A-M-E-E-R, that's a double E, so A-M-E-E-R-R-O-S-I-C. I'm on YouTube. I got my own uh, podcast too, the Optimal Health Show, Facebook, Twitter, website, whatever you want. Just hit me up. I'm there, and I'm more than happy to answer questions. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Dave. Likewise. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And we'll wrap the show with that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. 
Make sure to tune in next week for the next podcast. Subscribe at healthywildandfree.com and make sure to like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash healthywildandfree. We'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.